One more kind of sidebar, because you're kind of our, your 11 o'clock crowd. As people uh, slowly come back from the virus, our online viewership increases, okay? And so what you're going to see in the next couple of weeks is in the back, we'll have a camera set up, and we're going to have like a host hostess that will introduce the service to the online crowd, speaking to the onliners and speaking in-house, you'll be a little bit of a studio audience. So I'll need you to preach with me. How many can say amen? amen. That was pretty good. Try it one more time. Oh, yeah, that was really good. And so I'll need you to preach with me because you'll, be you'll be the amen for those out in their living rooms and on their back decks and their, their porches. And then so then afterwards we'll have whoever is the host or hostess for that day sign off. And so if you're watching online, be aware that in the next couple of weeks we'll have kind of a host for the service and a hostess. And then we'll have those same people kind of sign off. They'll give you ways. We have different people, pockets in the country of people that watched with Facebook parties and different things. We're working on some Bible studies. We're working on some prayer meetings, some worship nights, working on some different things so that we can continue to keep not only the people that are here, but the people that are watching online engaged, okay? We want to, we want to keep you involved. We want to keep you engaged. We don't want to be just showing up Sunday morning at whatever your time is, whether it's Eastern, Central, Mountain, or Pacific, and, and just watch us. We want you to be a part of this, and we need you here to be a part of what's taking place online. Amen? 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 Amen. That's, all right, that's good. <laughs> okay. So we're in, we're in the, right in the middle. This is the seven-part series of Right in the Middle, week number four, of the signs and the authenticity and the just the authorization of who Jesus is. And I used kind of a picture the first week or two, and then we're going to go into that. that's really Jesus unfiltered. And that's a really good feeling because sometimes yeah, so remember back in the day, maybe it was in the 80s or 90s, people used to get the glamour shots. You know, probably too young for the glamour shots. And, and I actually, a couple times, I would say, who's that? Well, that's so-and-so. They don't look like that in person. <laughs> that is not who they look like. And now I notice they do that sometimes on social media, you know, and like, who's that? And Janie will tell me, that, I've never seen that side of them. You know, they look... They look 30 wrinkles younger, and they, they have a perfect tan, and I guess it's a, it's a filter. And, some, and I didn't know. See, I'm dumb social media-wise, so I apologize. But I, 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 I get it. I mean, we all want to look our best, right? And sometimes we want Jesus, we want to make Jesus look his best, but when we do that, we form a filter, and that filter's not always good because, trust me, when Jesus says something, he generally means it in one way, shape, or form. Like, he may mean it authentically, or he may mean it metaphorically, but he means what he says, right? It's like he might say, take my, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Well, he doesn't mean that literally, but he means he offers that up as a sacrifice, right? So that he becomes the great lamb, the sacrificial lamb, and we sing it on Sundays. All the songs we sing are so scriptural. It's just amazing. And, and that, that roar of that lion, can you hear Jesus kind of roaring from the grave? Like, he's coming out. It's like, it's such a a cool movie, but it happened in real life. And so when Jesus talks about these signs, it's authenticating not necessarily who he is. He doesn't have to prove himself. It authenticates him in us. And that's important for us to know because sometimes we feel like we're loners or sometimes we feel like nobody gets us or sometimes we feel like I'm in this all by myself. You are not alone. 
You are totally not alone. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's with you as you follow him. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. So when we recognize then these signs, like the first week it was the person over power. Mary wanted the power of Jesus. Jesus wanted the person to be part of Mary's life. The second week was he cleansed the temple, so it was a new form of worship. We all can worship now. You don't have to buy your worship. You can engage in worship. Last week was about grace, okay? And we learned that Jesus has a special kind of grace for every single one of us. And this week we're going to talk about mercy. God's mercy is so large and so huge and so big, like grace, we may not totally understand it or totally get it. And so we're going to read today out of John's Gospel, the fifth chapter, and we're going to read 1 through 9, and we may stop and pause a, a couple times. And I'm just really going to throw up one screen, and it's going to be a question, a challenge to you that we're going to walk through. So John says this, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and historians believe that was probably the Feast of Pentecost. And, and just so you know, if you follow the Jewish calendar, there's three spring feasts, okay? It, it's um, Though it's the death, burial, and resurrection. So it's Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits, death, burial, and resurrection. And then there's a late spring, early summer, which is Pentecost. That's the church season we're in right now. It's full of grace. And then there's three fall uh, feasts, the atonement, trumpets, and tabernacle that, that end up in the fall. Now, some would say, well, that's when Jesus is coming back. And I would lend myself to say that's when Jesus is coming back. Uh, Rosh Hashanah is a two-day feast. We could do a deep study on that. I won't for time's sake. This feast here was probably uh, the feast of Pentecost, or I'm sorry, the feast of Passover that Jesus was observing. So he goes into Jerusalem, verse number two then. Now there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which means house of mercy. So that sets the tone, the table set where Jesus is going to introduce mercy and he's going to do it at the place that's called house of mercy. This is so cool how Jesus works. Works, right? So he's gonna he's laying down what is gonna be merciful and mercy at the place called mercy, which has five rift colonnades. And by the way, the pool here is the size of a football field. So like we're talking like I don't know, five Olympic swimming pools maybe, just an amazing large pool of these colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And we go on to the next verse. Now, if you're tracking with me, you'll see there's no verse number four. It's not that we've omitted it. Many of the scriptures omit verse four. King James Version has verse four in there. And I would have it in there, but in the ver this version we're reading, it doesn't have it. So verse four says, and in angel would come down and stir the waters. And so that those are, I think it's a really important verse to be honest with you, but King James is about the only Bible that has verse four in there. So we, for some reason, the modern day interpreters have taken it out. I think it's critical. I think it's, I think it's necessary to know, first of all, that angels worked in the New Testament. Okay. We saw angels. In fact, when, uh, when Rhoda answered the door at Mary's house when Peter come knocking because he was released from jail by the angel they they actually thought it was a, maybe an angelic spirit they thought it was an angelic spirit more than they thought it was Peter 
So they believed in angels. I think it's okay that you believe in angels. They also think that you shouldn't bow down to angels. All the angels in the, the New Testament and Old Testament say, no, 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 don't bow down. I'm, I'm a person like you. We're both workers, but you have angelic beings surrounding you. You have angelic beings working for you, all right? In fact, Paul says in the end of days, you're going to judge your angels. I have on occasion called mine Clarence. From It's a Wonderful Life, because I think maybe he's dropped the ball a time or two. But the fact is, he's probably had to work overtime on me. And maybe your angels had to work overtime on you as well. But first four is taken out. Again, I don't like that. I wish it was inserted back in there, because I do believe that angels will stir things up for you and help you work. One man was there who had been there, an invalid, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? One translation says, what do you want? We'll talk about that in a minute. The sick man answered him, sir. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. It's like the fast pass at Disney. They're waiting in line, and all these people, the first time I was at Disney World, the first, all these people are going by us, and they're like, what, what's, what's their rank and file? I want to be in that line. And then I was, I was taught there, there's a fast pass thing. This guy was trying to wait his turn, and all of a sudden these people are walking by him. Well, when push comes to shove, everybody looks out for themselves first when Jesus wants us to look out for everybody else. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your, your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for creation. We thank you, Lord, for profession. We thank you, Lord, for authenticity. We thank you that you have authorized us to be uh, deliverers of your word, hearers of your word, and not only hearers, but doers as well, as your brother James said. So help us be doers of your word today as we receive that which you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And again, one more time, everybody said amen. Now, oh, praise God. That was really good. Thank you. So. One screen today, I'm going to leave it up there the whole time. What do you want? What do you want? Jesus said it in one translation, what do you want? Then he says here, what do you want to be healed? What, what do you want? See, when we look at an unfiltered, authenticated Jesus, we, we're used to masking ourselves. We're, we're used to saying everything's going to be all right because the, the little widow woman said it as well. All right, when her son died, it is well. We're used, we're used to walking by faith and not by sight because it's a scriptural thing to do. It's what we're supposed to do. But sometimes in our bed at night, we're full of anxiety. We're full of fear. How's it going to work out? And we try to start to choreograph how God's going to work things out. Can we just let God be God? Can we just believe the word for what it says? If we just believe the word for what it says and we let God be God and we follow Jesus, it will work out. It will be all right. Why? Because God's on the throne. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. And so we, we look at uh, today three groups of people. We look at the, the religious people, and they don't even know they're religious. Most religious people don't know they're religious. But we look at the religious group of people who they have, everything's got like, this is what the law says, you got to abide by the law. There's no flexibility at all. And then we look at the person who has the need, but he has the need for so long that he just becomes an excuse guy. 
all right? And everything's full of excuses. Well, I, I can't do it because of this. I can't. And we all maybe know people in our lives that can't give something up or they can't do something or they can't go there or they can't do it. And they just become full of excuses. And then we have Jesus who's full of mercy. So we have the religious people who hated Jesus. And by the way, if like you, if you, if you fully understand grace, and I don't think we'll ever fully understand grace, if you kind of get grace, the religious people really won't like you because they want to be full of the do's and don'ts. It, it makes us feel better if we're better than somebody else. So like, you, you do that, I don't, so I must be better than, no. We're, listen, we're, we're, Jesus loves everybody the same, Right? They create all creation, we're all made in that image. And then, and then the person, we may all, and maybe some of us are, people that are full of excuses. Like, I can find reasons why I don't want to run on Monday. I can find reasons why I don't want to lift. I can find reasons why maybe I don't want to go to the store. I can find reasons why maybe I don't want to read my Bible. We're all full of excuses at some point in time. And then people that maybe have addictions or sin problems in their life, it, sometimes it becomes, well, that's, that's you know, I was, uh, uh, this happened to me when I was younger, or this is the reason I'm that way, or this is that. And all of a sudden it becomes, all, if we're not careful, it becomes an excuse, and we build our whole life on defending the excuse. And that's what this man did. He built his whole life, 38 years old, the Bible says, and the most uh, life expectancy in this culture was 40 for a man. So he's lived almost all of his life, and some theologians would say maybe he's made a good living at it, at panhandling. People come by, he can't move, they, they throw him some money, they give him some fruit, vegetables, whatever. And now if he, see, it's like when uh, the Israelites crossed over into Canaan, what stopped? The manna stopped. Now they had to go in. They had corn, they had figs, they had grapes, they had food, but they had to go pick it themselves. They had to go. See, when we start to do everything for everybody, I was, well, the kids and I, most of our kids, and me and Janie, we were out of town for a spell this week, and uh, we were in private condos. We were socially distanced. I don't think there's any reason to worry. And so one morning I got up, and uh, Selah, uh, Marcus, Charity, Selah, and Judah were in our, were in our, our condo, and uh, Selah had, uh, was getting ready to eat cereal, and she had three boxes of cereal uh, in front of her. I'm like, man, she must be hungry. And, and so uh, I said, Selah, which one are you going to have? I'm going to have all three, Bobby. I said, you are? And so I, you want me to help? And Marcus was like, no, she can get it herself. I said, all right, she's three. And so she reaches a handful of the Cheerios, puts them in there, handful of Wheaties or cornflakes, puts them in there, handful, handful of corn checks, puts them in there, looks down, gets another handful of corn checks, another handful of Cheerios. And, and she's got, like, she's got her bowl. This is what she has I think nearly every morning except for Saturdays. And then Charity comes by and puts the milk on and, and a banana. And she, like, she, she's conditioned. Like, I'm sure it would be easier for them if they got the cereal ready for her, but to, to, in training her, right? And so uh, the, maybe the first or second morning, well, we, we get up, we open our door, and uh, 
sailors like, oh, may I please go see Grammy? And so I, yes, you may please see, see Grammy. And so she goes in to say hi to Grammy, good morning, Grammy, and Grammy, can we put our makeup on and all that kind of stuff. And then the next morning she's waiting by the door, and I hear her say, I think they're up. <laughs> I think they're up. And Marcus or Charity says, don't knock on the door. You wait till they open the door. I open the door. And she said, may I please say Grammy? And she's walking. And then by the third or fourth day, she was running by me saying, may I please say Grammy? And it was, and it was the, the cutest thing on how we, she was being taught to wait. And then she waited or she was taught to make her cereal. And she made her cereal. And I think sometimes in life, if we're not careful, we're waiting for Jesus to do something for us. And while we're waiting, we're making excuses along the way on why things aren't working out. And instead of making excuses, we do wait. We wait by faith, but we do what we can do while we're waiting. See, in the Old Testament, those that were in poverty, they still had to go work for their food. The fields were left 10%, so they would go out and glean from the field. The food didn't come to them. They went out and got it. Are you with me? See, we've brought up a society where people feel like they're entitled for stuff, and we, that carries into the church. Well, if God wants to do it, he'll go ahead and do it. No, 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 no. God wants to do it, but you need to pray for it because God's asking you today, what do you want? What do you want? You got to stop making excuses. So take five seconds. If you're taking notes, you got a mobile device, you're at home, you got a pen and paper, or even mentally, write down today what do you want? What do you want from God? Do you want a job? Do you want a house? Do you want a business? Do you want somebody saved? Do you want a Christ follower? You, do you want a close relationship with God? Do you, what do you want? I think at first you have to write down the things that you want from God. And, and by the way, a closer relationship would be a good want. To feel God's presence, to feel God's purpose in your life. And this man, I don't know that he even knew what he wanted. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? Well, I, he didn't say yes or no. He automatically threw out an excuse. Well, when the waters are, are stored or troubled and I tried to go in, uh, Jane and I have talked about this, uh, this passage of the Bible many a times. And, and I would like, uh, man, I would have found somebody to get me in the water. And Janie's like, I would have just stayed in the water. Now, listen, that's a good thought. I'm going to be wherever Jesus is. In fact, the time, second time Moses went up, he took Joshua. Moses came out, Joshua stayed in God's presence. Joshua went into the Canaan land. Hear me, when you get into God's presence, you need to try to stay there. And so she's like, no, I'm going to stay there. And then I thought to myself, maybe we need to be people that are the ones that are dragging people into the water. Why are we always pointing our fingers? See, that becomes the religious crowd. The religious crowd was this. They were like, hey, who healed you? Who said you could pick up your bed and walk? Think about that for a second. They weren't startled. They weren't amazed. They weren't shouting hallelujah because this man that they had probably seen every single day for 38 years begging for food and money because he could not walk, all of a sudden, and by the way, isn't that a double miracle? Not only was he healed, he learned how to walk just like that. Think about that. So now he's, he's got his bed. Here's what the religious crowd says. Who told you you could carry your bed? Think about that for a second. 
How crazy does that sound? Yet the church world will say, ah, pastor, how do you know they're saved? I don't. Jesus does. It's not on me to say if they're saved or not. That's on the king, right? Well, yeah, but, you know, it's not. We, I mean, this ain't, this ain't how we ever did it. It's not how anybody ever did it. In Numbers, the book of Numbers and Leviticus, if your son got mad at you, you took him outside and stoned him. How many still have sons? <laughs> that would be a tremendous decrease in population, especially in today's age where little, I mean, young people, they talk back to mom and dad. Our kids never talk back. I will, I will tell you that. Now listen to me. Well, yeah, but all right, let me give you another one. If you prophesied something, if you blamed something on God in the Old Testament and it didn't come true, they stoned you. So stop dropping the God card. Well, Pastor, God told me I should move on from here. Okay, praise God. And then six churches later, you're still moving on. Is God confused? No, God ain't confused. You are. Well, not you because you're all here, but, and not you because you're watching. You see what, see what I'm saying? Listen, we have filtered God. We have filtered Jesus. Jesus is not as confused as the church makes him out to be. And Jesus is not as hypocritical as the church makes him out to be. So we have the religious people on one side. You got to live it this way. You got to do it this way. You got to be just right on like this. Okay, wait a second. That works as long as it works for you. But when it stops working for you, you're like, hey, this is grace, man. This is New Testament. Wait a second. All right? So when we go Old Testament, which is what more legalism, then we understand that this person, that one needs to be free, they're afraid to be free because all they've known for 38 years is to make excuses, and they don't want to make excuses for their drug habit. They don't want to make excuses for their alcoholism. They don't want to make abuse, excuses for the abuse they've endured in their life. They don't want to make, but they know no other way because this church has been, this crowd's been real religious to them. They need the middle crowd. His name is Jesus, and he's full of mercy. And when you become full of mercy in your life, see, here's what happens. This is what happened with the scribe and Pharisees that they didn't even realize. This man was paralyzed. Here's the metaphor Jesus is trying to tell us. This man was paralyzed and needed to be freed. The religious group is paralyzed by their legalism, and they need to be free. They need to be set free. The, the, the person who doesn't know Christ is paralyzed by their excuses. Like, I, I can't, I, I can't. I don't, I, I don't know how to follow Christ because these people tell me all these things I need to do and I, I can't line up with that and I can't, I can't do these and they become confused where Jesus steps in the crowd and all of a sudden he says, what do you want? Do you want to be healed? Pick up your bed and walk. Boom, like that. And the guy instantaneously at the age of 38 for the first time in his life picks up his bed and he starts walking. He should be the happiest guy in the world yet he runs into some religious people and those religious people are like, who told you you could pick up your bed. I'm astounded at the irony of this situation. And yet I'm afraid that it happens in churches around the world all the time. Who gave you the license to worship like that? I remember, this is how old I am, when they took songs out of the hymnal and they start broadcasting them on the wall. Oh my, you thought the Antichrist was appearing 
You can't do that. My wife took such a hit because she wanted to put words on the wall. And then we, we, did, then, then we went with the screens and then lights and haze and fog. And, yes, sometimes we feel like we're in a nightclub. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> However, if Jesus was on the earth today, he'd probably be preaching in a nightclub. He may not even make it to church because he's going to go where lost people are. Are you with me? That's the whole thing about mercy. We had our first church. We invited a, a, some longtime friends to come in, and, and uh, he's, he's blind, and his wife comes with him, and they play, sing, and he, he picks the guitar like Chet Atkins, and it was a Sunday night service, and I'm OCD about being on time. You can ask Janie. Like, on time for me is always 10 minutes early. If we're on time, I actually feel like we're late, and if we're ever late, I just, I have a meltdown, okay? Well, she's just the opposite. She's fashionably on time, which is always 10 minutes late, and so we're always like this. She's like, come on, <laughs> can we finally go? See, we're early, we're early. That's the idea. So the idea is to be on time. Well, these guys were fashionably late, and we had a screen, and so we, uh, we're, we were really proud. The church had, didn't have a screen. when we. In fact, they had an overhead projector, and every time I got up to preach, they would let the screen back up, and it made this loud screeching noise right in the middle of my message. And they did it with like a little hook. And whenever we did the last song, they had to have that hook and pull it down. It screeched worse on the way down. Like, man, it just really messed up the tempo. And so we, we had a screen we were proud of that we, that we just got. And these folks were going to be able to use it. And, hey, we need your songs or whatever. We don't do, we don't do that modern-day technology, uh, the lady said, while she was plugging in her electric bass. Yeah, no, you, you, that was modern at some day. Can, can, we, can we give the young people a hand that are at least trying to bring some life to a situation? See, we have Jesus so filtered that we think he can only act the way we want him to act. That's religion. Religion kills, church. Religion kills. And so we, we understand then that if we allow Jesus, and he should, we should, that's even poor grammar. We shouldn't allow Jesus. If we ask Jesus to do whatever he wants to do, we just go along for the ride. See, these guys were so hypocritical. They're looking like, who healed you? Who told you you could pick up your bed? Well, I don't know. I don't know who that guy is. By the way, this man was healed before he was saved. So salvation wasn't a prerequisite for the miracle. That gets some religious people there. That's a big ouch. Well, wait a second. Does that work? I don't know. It worked for Jesus. Should, should probably work for us, right? So Jesus escapes into the crowd, if you read the rest of the story, and this man is getting attacked, not applauded, not like, man, dude, we're so excited that you are, that you are walking. You have, like you haven't walked. You know, his muscles would have atrophied. His, I mean, he wouldn't have any, any matter in his legs. He's standing and he's walking after 38 years. This is a miracle. Now the fact that he's even walking, dude, like you are walking. This is amazing. Good for you. No, it's like, who told you you could pick up that bed? It's the Sabbath. we got to honor the Sabbath. And all of a sudden, he's like, I don't know. He's, he was around. I don't know what that guy. And then later on, Jesus comes back around. He says, see, look at You've picked up your bed. You've, you've walked. And 
And Jesus says, now go and sin no more, lest the worst thing comes upon you. And I don't know why the guy thinks he does what he does, but sometimes people in powerful positions that speak loudly, they come across as know-it-alls. And this guy felt the need to go tell the religious crowd, it was Jesus. It was Jesus that healed me. Now, to me, maybe he came across as a testimony, but he kind of throws Jesus underneath the bus a little bit. And I would say this, at least his excuses are gone, but maybe he had to feel like his life had to be justified. And Jesus walks, a, a, the, this fourth sign is an act of mercy. It's, it's more than a miracle. It's an act of mercy because he saw someone there who he knew what they wanted. And by the way, he knows what you want today, but he's just asking for you to speak it out. And the religious crowd, they were more paralytic than the man who couldn't walk because their rules and regulations paralyzed them to the fact that this man was walking amongst them, but they were mad because he was carrying his bed on the Sabbath day. And when someone in your life starts to get Jesus, all of a sudden, we want to change them. Can I say this? Why don't you let the Holy Spirit start to change them? And maybe the Holy Spirit, come on, worship team, maybe the Holy Spirit will start to change them from the inside out. See, when we look for God to change us or we mandate change on people, it becomes a legalistic tendency. It becomes, it becomes, it becomes a form of legalism. It becomes a, a thing that, man, okay, now, I, now I've got to change. Now I've got, yes, I think the Holy Spirit has changed for every single one of us. Okay, are you with me? I think every person here, the Holy Spirit has a continual change for us, a growth pattern, something that we need to walk through and do. But at the same time, if we're not careful, all right, we start to mandate our life changes on other people. And that's where we become religious in that. Or if we don't want to change, we start to become the excuse crowd. We become the crowd that, well, I can't because this happened to me. I can't because I've always been this way. I can't because the, you know, those, those mean people. I can't get a, another job or I can't do this or I can't do that. And we become ridden with excuse. And Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Mercy overrides all of that. Mercy, mercy goes beyond every single last bit of that. When you show, in fact, the Bible says when you show mercy, you obtain mercy. So now Jesus flips the script from our first week where he was the person over the power. Now he's giving his power to the person. And he's saying, you can get up and walk. You don't need the waters to be stored. And I think there might be a person here in this crowd or watching online. You've been waiting for something that you've had the whole time. You've had it the whole time. And Jesus now is getting ready to speak into your life saying, listen, son or daughter, here's what you need. You already have it now. Take up your bed and walk. And by the way, the take up your bed and walk scenario, that's resembling, that's resembles that of creation. We speak it, we, we see it, we activate it, we walk it out on faith. We see it, we speak it, we activate it, we walk it out on faith. We see it, we speak it. So God spoke this world into existence. He saw it, and then he activated on faith and said, wait a second, I see that this is good. God has something in your life that he wants to activate in you, and all you have to do is say, okay, God, here I am. Excuses are over. Legalism, religiousness is over. Lord, here I am between you today. Stand with me today right where you're at. We're going to sing one more song. 
and I want you to, during this song, I want you to recognize, Lord, I want your mercy. I, I don't want to make excuses anymore for, for who I am or how I am, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be religious in, in trying to define who I am onto somebody else. Lord, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your truth every single day. I want you just to say that to yourself, whether you're watching online or here in the house. Lord, would you just give me your mercy? And Lord, those things that are in me that you've placed, like that healing, like picking up that bed, Lord, like those, can I negate the excuses today? Lord, can I be what you've called me to be? Can I operate and walk by faith and not by sight? Father, we ask that you would release your spirit today into each and every one of us to be, Lord, the creation that you called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.
just so much there. So I would encourage you maybe check it out again if there's some pieces that that you want to go to gracechurch.tv. And um, you can watch it again because there's so much in there. There's so much healing in there. And I love that part that says, what do you want? And Jesus was asking him, the man had been sick, what do you want? And maybe you're sitting there or you're watching online right now and you're just saying, I need a miracle. My child needs a miracle. My husband needs a miracle. My body, whatever it is, what do you want? Um, I'm just going to close this morning with a prayer of agreement. His word says if two or three would agree as touching anything, then there I am in the middle. I'm in the center. I'm right there. I'm ready to say, what do you want? And we're going to, as a, as a congregation, as an online, our faith is going to connect right now. And it's your faith because it was the faith that got the man healed. Jesus healed him, but it was his faith. So sometimes we just got to put our faith in action and we just got to say, okay, Jesus is saying, what do you want? And you say, I need a miracle. And whatever that is, as we pray, let your faith, let your faith be what makes you healed. Amen. So right now, just begin to think what it is, as pastor said, and let's just come in agreement and let's declare if it's physicalness, if it's financial miracle, whatever it is, we're just going to pray right now. And I want y'all to pray with me and this will be our prayer for, for the end of service today. Father, Lord, we just thank you so much that Jesus came and Jesus died and the miracle was the resurrection. So Lord, we thank you that the resurrection is the miracle that we stand on, that by your stripes we have already been healed because you've already died, you've already rose. So Lord, today we just come in agreement according to the word of the Lord that says, it, what do you want? As the man was there, what do you want? And the water would stir, and that's when the healing would take place. So Lord, we just see that the water is stirring right now because of our faith. So Lord, I just pray over sickness in anybody's body right now. I declare for a miracle healing, I come in agreement according to your word. I call health into the, the body. I call a physical miracle to come in and any sickness, any cancer, any depression, whatever it is, Lord, we just say by the stripes on Jesus' back, healing come and we receive it by faith right now. We take it. Lord, um, those that are in need of a financial miracle, Lord, going through this um, horrible time or maybe loss of job and they don't know how they're going to have enough money, Lord, we just pray that you would cause blessings to come in and miracle would take place in that regard. We call forth that miracle. Emotionally, Lord, those that are nervous, anxious, Lord, whatever it is, we just call peace. We say, peace be still. What do you want? Lord, I want peace over this situation. I need wisdom over this situation, decisions that we have to make. Lord, let your wisdom come in right now into their home, into their room, into their minds. Father, whatever it is, marriages, Lord, whatever the need is, we call for hope. I ask for hope right now for those that feel hopeless, those that, Lord, are nervous. Lord, we just say, be the God of hope. So, Lord, I thank you for that word. I just ask that we would now receive it. Receive the word of the Lord today. Lord, I just say I receive it. We're not going to stress. We're not going to worry. Is there enough money to pay the bills? My hope is in you. It's always been in you. So, Lord, for Grace Church, we're just trusting you. We're going to continue to trust you for every situation. Father, we love you. We glorify you. And we thank you. We just say peace to every storm right now. 
we give you all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We love you all so much. Be blessed, and we'll see you soon. Have an awesome day. Love you. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.